instructions are given to us by Christ. And so the beauty of understanding what Christ is wanting us to do is that none of this is our responsibility. I don't have to gift the people in God's church. Mm -hmm. God's the one that does that. What I need to do is simply teach them what he's taught me so that they can know and grow and mature like God has matured me. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. On today's episode, we're going to complete the idea that we started last week about discipling people to function within the local church. Welcome to this episode of General Order 4. And uh, on today's episode, we're going to be continuing a thought that we started last week uh, on the idea of discipling people to function within the local church. And so today we are going to try and take that same concept and and finish it out through this same passage in Ephesians 4. So uh, as I say almost every week, if you happen to be sitting still and you have access to your Bible, if you want to turn to Ephesians 4, we're going to be going through that scripture a little bit. Um, in a little bit more depth than we did uh, on the last episode. And uh, so we're going to be looking at that same idea of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers, those those four functions we talked about in the last episode. And we're going to try and complete that thought a bit more. And before we uh, get into it too much, we kind of wanted to take a look at what um, Paul is talking about. What are these Functions supposed to be doing, and when we say the word function, what are we talking about? So the later on in the passage, he refers to it as a body. And so, uh, Pastor Stewart, if you want to go ahead and kind of elaborate to us why he uses that illustration of a body, he picked it because he wants us to understand that the body uh, is an organism that God is building, and it's not an organization. Uh, One of the temptations as a pastor is to build an organization. And by that, I mean we have to, you know, in order to find certain protections in America, we need to be incorporated or have different legal protections and things like that. And then that leads to having to have different offices and other things in the church uh, and just dealing with a whole lot of other things. And then as pastors, we can tend to see ourselves as a CEO rather than as a pastor, teacher, a person who is ministering and doing the work of the ministry. And we can spend a lot of our time building the organization instead of building the organism. And we notice in scriptures, we looked at in our early episodes, that Christ was about building his body. Mm-hmm. He was about building his church. Paul was tasked with, as one of the apostles, with building the body. And ministry was the tool by which he did that. And so we see here that Christ is the one that gives us these functions so that we can function as a body. If we look down to Ephesians four sixteen, he says, after he describes all of this, he says, for whom the whole body fitly joined together, and compacted by which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. And so when we look at discipleship, we're looking at how do I minister and what do I need to focus on is I need to focus on every part, every believer, the whole body, 
And I need to focus on that organism, not an organization that we do. And, and as a pastor, I've stopped and I've thought about how much of what I do is building an organization and how much is what I'm doing is building an organism. And when we actually see the model that Christ left us, there's not a whole lot of room for building an organization, but there's an awful lot of instruction about building an organism called the body of Christ, the church. Sure. And and one of the things that I think that we, we tend to not do as much of in study because of the way that our Bibles are split into chapter and verse segments is we don't always take a look in, at where the punctuation marks are to see what where the thought begins and ends. Um, mm-hmm. And so in this in this particular passage of scripture, this is one sentence beginning in verse 11 that goes all the way down to the end of verse 16, what you just talked about in the body. So at the beginning of this one sentence is where we get this, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and he talks about this is why he gives them for the perfecting of the saints. And we went through a lot of this stuff in last week's episode, but I wanted to make a note that this is all one sentence. So the body, the portion about the body is directly connected to these four functions that are given. And and when I say given, I mean that literally, because if you back up to the previous sentence, which is found in verse 8, and then there's a parenthetical sentence in 9 and 10. And you know from English grammar, if you take the parentheses out, not that we would take it out because it's the word of God, but if you remove it from the paragraph, then the paragraph still makes sense. So verse 8 could be butted up directly against verse 11, and it still makes sense. The parenthetical statement is given there for more clarity. Um, and that's just, that's just an English grammar truth. But in verse number 8 is the sentence that comes just before the sentence that we just looked at. And that's where it says, Wherefore he, that's Christ, saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And that word men, we looked up and realized that is, is not talking about men as a gender. It's talking about men as a, as a group or mankind. And why, why am I getting into these nitty-gritty details? And the reason why um, is because if we don't look at these, the details here, we might miss something in the passage. And these are gifts that are given unto men. It doesn't mean that every man received every gift. It means that corporately, God gave specific gifts to men. And then, knowing and recognizing that, and we move down to verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, we recognized in last week, and I'll say it again, that pastors and teachers are grouped together there, because we're not talking about offices, we're talking about functions within the church. So we've got four functions. Pastors and teachers is one function. Evangelist is a function. Prophets is a function. And apostles is a function. Now, God gave these gifts to men. And that doesn't mean that every person has all four of these gifts. And that's why it says, and he gave some. He gave some apostles. Yes. He gave some prophets. He gave some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And uh, it's important to note that not everybody has all gifts. Not everybody is guaranteed to have three of these gifts. But everybody will have something of these gifts that is Amen. in the church. And we really miss something when we as a body have some of these people in our church that have been given these gifts by Christ, 
but they have never been allowed to use them because they've never been taught to use them. And so when we are talking about discipling people to function, we're not talking about creating these functions within people. We're talking about using the avenue of discipleship that we've been given to teach and to train people. And then God makes it clear to those people, to their disciples, to everybody that's around them, which gifts they have. And, um, you know, and we, and we talked about, again, in the last episode, what each of these functions is, scripturally speaking, um, but that each, each person in the church has something of these gifts. I, th- I think it's neat to notice in verse 16, it says that which every joint supplieth. In other words, how are these, these functions and these gifts recognized? It's by their use. Right. So as we train them and they use them and they benefit the church, it, what, it, bought, it edifies itself, but it also, this is what provides for the increase. And if you could tell a pastor, hey, there's a certain way that God has designed for increase to happen in the body, for the church to grow, it's to grow this way. And yet, many times, we either don't see it, we don't understand it, or we just overlook it. Sure. And yet God wants it to grow, and he wants to use every member to accomplish that. And I'd hate to think how many members are sitting in our church pews unused. And, you know, there of course, there's always personal accountability. And it's always, you know, if I don't use my talents and my skills, it is my fault. So there is personal accountability there. But how many of these people don't even know that they have these skills and talents? Yeah. Because they've never been used, they've never been exercised. Um, you know, it, it'd be like somebody who, you know, somebody who had paralysis in their legs. Do their legs work? Yes. They just don't know, how, their brain doesn't know how to use them. You know, so they, they, it's not that the legs aren't functional, that the muscles aren't there, or that the connections aren't there. They are there. They are, their brain doesn't know how to communicate that to their body, or maybe there's a nervous disconnection or something like that, physically speaking. But we've got members in our body that are paralyzed, that are not using the skills that they have been given by God because they've never been exercised. And um, again, those those gifts that we talked about again in last week's episode, the the some of these people, I think I'm convinced that we have soul winners in our church that we don't know we have people who. We, you know, what we what we described as evangelists in the last episode, and defined that word as people who preach forth the gospel to other people. And we've got people in our churches that have a talent for this, that are good at this, but have never been exercised. I'm convinced of it. The um, interesting thing here is that when we look at these two divisions or these four functions, but the, they really f- kind of formulate into two divisions. Uh, we can see the evangelists and the pastors, teachers, and those are both really a personal function or a personal ministry where I am, as an evangelist, once I get saved, we see, especially like in an example that we have in John chapter 4 where we have the woman at the well. What does she do? It doesn't take long for her to be the evangelist she's supposed to be, right? right? Because as soon as, as soon as she hears... <laughs> And identifies that this man is special. This man, Jesus, is the Messiah. And she recognizes that and accepts that. What does she do? 
she runs back and tells everybody she knows. Right, right. And they don't think highly of her. It wasn't like she was well-respected in the community. That's why she was at the well at the time she was there. But mm-hmm. but nonetheless, she doesn't let that affect her. She goes back and she goes and tells them, you got to come meet this this man, Jesus. And so really evangelist is somebody who is going to function in this role. And, and once you've been given the gift of salvation... Well, then you've been given the gift of evangelism. Sure. And that's evidenced in the apostles' lives, too. You know, yes, sir. Jesus, the, the apostles found Jesus, and it says that, that one of them immediately went and found his brother and said, hey, we found him, and brought him along. He became an apostle, too. Correct. And so, you know, that happens twice, actually, in, in, in the New Testament. So it's, it's, not, it's not like there's not precedent for this kind of thing. Sure. As soon as someone gets saved, this is a, a, a skill that they have. Now, some are better than others at it. For sure. It certainly can be developed. Sure. It, certainly as you grow and mature, you can be more effective and more uh, pointed in what you say and how you say it and how you are directing somebody to understand and be led to Christ. But certainly evangelism is a personal ministry. It's a, it's an, uh, it has corporate ramifications, mm-hmm. but it is a personal ministry that any believer who's met Jesus, put their faith and trust in him, can do. Now, the pastor-teacher we talked about last week was that pastors and teachers are those who are disciplers. This, is, again, is not the office. There's no office here. This is a function, and they're functioning as a shepherd to this person and a teacher to this person. Again, we recognize that ultimately we're not the teacher. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit of God is the teacher, and we are teaching what we've been taught. Right. But so we're not the ultimate teacher, but we can function, yeah, in this role of teacher, pastor, or shepherder of somebody. But I can't do that until I've been equipped, which means what? I need somebody to shepherd me mm-hmm. and teach me, and I need that discipler to walk me through these things so then I can walk others through these. And so this second function that's a personal ministry. It's the personal ministry of discipleship or ministering God's word. And then also that pastoring means what? Shepherding. In other words, you're you're not lording over this person, but you are going to kind of help point them in the right direction. And mm-hmm. when they want to get their attention in another direction, your attempt through influence is to what? To try and redirect them back to the word of God and to the Holy Spirit of God. And so the, we have that first really grouping these first two uh, functions is the evangelist and the pastor teacher which is a personal ministry Simeon why don't you talk about the next two that are going to be more exercised in the corporate ministry sure and so at the beginning of verse number 11 um, he says and he gave some apostles and some prophets he continues and says and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers Um, so there's four Functions total, but like we like we just discussed, it's split into two groups. In the second group, you have a personal one-on-one style, and even you know some people. I'm, I'm sure when you were talking in their mind, they said, "Well, hang on, we do a corporate uh, soul winning time or something like that." That that may be true, but when you knock on the door, is it the whole group speaking or is it you? And it's you one-on-one with somebody. Yes. So when it comes down to it, it's an individualistic thing. But the first group. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. And if we go back to the definitions that we gave in last week's episode, uh, that term prophet there is someone who preaches the word of God as it's given to him by the Holy Spirit. 
And, um, you know, we were using the word of God. We look, we have the complete revelation of God's word at this time. And so when Paul is writing this, he's, he's talking about people who are preaching from the Bible um, and they are doing so corporately. They're doing so to a large group of people or at least a, a couple, a dozen or however many people are there, but they're doing it in a corporate way, not an individual way. And then that word apostle, as we defined it last week, it, we're talking about someone who is sent or a sent one. Um, and that can be referencing a person like we would now call a missionary church planter um, or even a pastor uh, because that, that position of apostle means that that person is sent to accomplish a particular task. And so the pastor fills that, that position of apostle. Now, can everybody be a prophet? Can everybody be an apostle? And I believe that scripture teaches that answer is no, and not everybody is supposed to be. Some people fill their obligation and, and their gifting to the Lord as by being evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And frankly, those are more important in a lot of ways. Um, and then you've got the... We certainly need more of them, don't we? We need more of them, yes. They're not more important, but we do need more of them. Um, and I know when you and I were talking about this beforehand, you made a comment about how the vast majority of the functions in a physical body are there in a service-oriented way. They're not necessarily doing anything that's seen or noticed. Um, the, the best thing I can think of is the human heart. You don't even notice what it does 99% of the time. When you do notice, it means something's wrong usually. <laughs> so you don't notice what it's doing. It's doing a service, but it's the most vital service that, that's possible in your, in your, as far as your physical body is concerned. But most people will function in that service-oriented way and evangelizing and bringing people to become part of the body and then teaching and making those people as effective as possible. But some people will be given um, the, the the role of a prophet or the function of a prophet or apostle. Some people will be set apart to uh, to preach God's word like a prophet, and some people will be sent out of that body to pastor, church plant, um, and be what we generally call a missionary now. Now, I, in, in modern day, I've, I've tried to get away from that word missionary personally. Um, that's what most churches would call me, what I am. But I have tried to get away from that word because it's so broad. Um, so church planter is typically what I would use, but it falls under that category of apostle. And so when we, when we see there are two divisions here, why are we making a big deal about it? And the reason why is that some of these are personal functions. Some of them are corporate functions. Now, when Jesus said in verse 8 that he gave gifts unto men, he used that word men as in mankind, meaning these gifts can be given to men or women. But we know from other places in Scripture that men are given particular responsibilities in the church that are not given to women, not because women can't do them or that they wouldn't be good at them, but because that's the order that God defined, even going all the way back to Genesis, um, that the men were designated to lead in those areas. So obviously we believe from scripture solidly that uh, if you are a woman, then you will not fulfill the function or the, the, the office of pastor, which would be the function of apostle in this case, um, or prophet, a woman can speak publicly as long as she's not usurping the authority of a man. That was what we find in Scripture. So I know I've, I've lost some people. Maybe I've some offended some people by saying that. Um, but that does separate these two things. 
So he gives these gifts to men, uh, all of mankind, and every single woman can fulfill the function of evangelist, pastor, teacher in this case. Um, but they may not necessarily fill the role of prophet. Some might, if you're very particular about in what circumstances that person is speaking in. Um, but that's why there's a division there. Let's review quickly the what a prophet is. The prophet of the Old Testament was somebody who was uh, foretelling, or, mm-hmm. or foretelling, sorry, I get them mixed up. Foretelling, in other words, they were given a message of God that was telling something that was going to happen in the future. So they're foretelling mm-hmm. uh, what God said to say. And we and notice the scripture is really pretty uh, accurate because it says that God came and said this to the person and the person received this and then they said this and you mm-hmm. can go through and check. They didn't change anything. There wasn't right. anything adjusted. They said exactly what he told them to say. Well, in our age, we don't need any uh, foretellers because we have the revealed word of God. We believe we have the full canon mm-hmm. or the full uh, God's full word. It's inspired and it's preserved for us. And we don't need foretellers. What we need is people who are going to, and that's why God gives us prophets in this era, so that we can foretell. Right. In other words, tell forth the things that he has already given us to do. So foretelling is the role of prophet in today's church. And here this gifting of prophet is. In the, and how does that happen? It happens by men who stand in the pulpit or stand in, in front of uh, God's people and preach his truths right. to them. And I think it's important to note, too, that there is a progression of responsibility. Um, someone doesn't get saved and immediately become an apostle or fulfill the function of apostle. Correct. And they're not going to become an apostle. It's not not an office that we still have. Um, but they they won't immediately fulfill the function of apostle. Why? Because they haven't been taught and trained in these other areas yet. And so I believe there's a clear progression that you, you when you get saved, we discussed earlier that you immediately have the ability to become an evangelist. Um, that doesn't mean that you're actually doing it but that you have the gifting and the enabling to do so because you now have the Holy Ghost living within you who will help you to do that. He said quite specifically that when you spoke his word, he would help you to do it. So everyone has that right off the bat. Then that that function of, of pastoring and teaching, one of discipling, essentially, um, you gain as you yourself are discipled. You have more knowledge to then take and instill into other people's lives. So that is something that everybody can be as well. Will some be better than others? Yeah, sure. And can you practice that skill? Of course. Um, but there is a gifting for that. But you're definitely not going to begin functioning as a prophet, or at least you shouldn't begin functioning as a prophet unless you yourself are already functioning as a as a pastor teacher or as a disciple. You're able to teach others also, right? Yes. And you can't. You shouldn't be standing in front of groups telling groups of people. What the scripture says, if you can't teach one person what the scripture says, does that does that make sense? Yes, sir. And so, in order to get to the second category or second grouping here of the of the uh, prophet and the apostle, where you're learning what you're learning as you go, I mean, we could really mash this right up alongside the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. You know what happens? We're to preach some to we're to preach or teach the gospel to a person. They're to get baptized and become a part of the local church, get plugged in and 
and a part of the local church. And how do they do that? By the one who led them to Christ, teaching them to observe everything that Christ has commanded them. And so as they then are faithful in giving the gospel to this person, then they are faithful in the function of pastor-teacher and pastoring and, and, and shepherding this person to the commands that Christ has given them. So what? So that they can observe them. What does it look like here in Ephesians 4.13? Till we all come in the unity of faith. What is that faith? It's believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ under the knowledge of the Son of God. Well, what is that? What he's commanded us. Mm-hmm. Unto a perfect man. That means a mature man or a human being that is matured to the point of what? Our created purpose. Living up to our created purpose. What is that? To measure up to the fullness of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so when we do that, so all of these functions aren't given to everybody, but everybody has the same goal. And that is that we measure up to the stature of the fullness of Christ Mm -hmm. through the one faith. If you go back to the uh, beginning of this chapter, he talks about endeavoring in verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He says there's one body, there's one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And then he talks about the gifting. And he he talks about the grace uh, that's going to be measured out of the gift of Christ. And so Christ is that gift as well. And so these gifting are to what? To help the body mature and grow into Right, and I think um, what you just mentioned when you when you took us back to the beginning of that chapter, um, the the goal here, and it, and all, we also find it later on in the chapter, but that the idea of unity, and that really only happens when everybody knows their place, and that's not by putting people in their place. That's Correct. by teaching people and letting them fulfill the fullness of everything that God wants for them to be. And you don't have this this bickering and arguing and um, and people trying to usurp authority that they shouldn't have and, and all of this in a church in which the individual members of that church know exactly what it is that they're supposed to do because they know what functions they have been gifted with. And they, the only way they know that is that they've been discipled to the fullest of the person who discipled them's ability and they've learned all that they can from that person. They're continuing to learn in and of themselves, but they know what they are. And my dad would tell you that he knows that he is not supposed to be a church planter. But he does know what he can do with what he has because of the time that he had being discipled by his pastor. So um, it was being brought to the fullness of what you can be gives a certain clarity as well. And I think a lot of times people, when we usurp authority that isn't ours... It's a misunderstanding of what our gifting was in the first place or what our position within the church was in the first place. Because he says, hey, look, we all have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope of your calling, one God who is above all, through all, and in you all. Mm -hmm. And if he's working in us and he's given us these gifts and we are trying to the best of our abilities to master the gifts that he's given us and teach others to do the same, there no longer is an issue with who's the boss or whose authority is what because it's he's the head of the body and we are all functioning 
in the ways that he's designated within that body. There's no longer a problem. And our functions are given to us by Christ. And so the beauty of, of really understanding what Christ is wanting us to do is that none of this is our responsibility. I don't have to gift the people in God's church. Mm -hmm. God's the one that does that. What I need to do is simply teach them what he's taught me so that they can know and grow and mature like God has matured me. And Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing where we've talked about before, where Paul says, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. And as a pastor, it is encouraging to think about the fact that I can focus my attention in investing it in the lives of people and investing the Word of God into their hearts and into their lives. And when I do that with the gifting and with the functions that He gives to me, that builds up and edifies and allows the church then to what? Increase. By what? Because now we're going to have more evangelists. We're going to have more pastor teachers or disciples. And then we're going to have some of those that God will give them the function and the ability to preach, which will what? Which will allow the church to have uh, one voice, but multiple personalities to teach those truths Mm -hmm. with the one Lord and, and all of the one faith and all of that. We don't have to worry about, you know, too many preachers because we're going to get go too many different directions. No, we're all going to the same direction sure. because we all are being led by Christ and His Spirit. And so when you have that, now you have a church growth strategy, and you didn't have to pay a penny for it. Mm-hmm. You have a, a church maturity strategy, and it's all in one. And it's what we see in the pages of Scripture, and it's what we see modeled by Christ himself, modeled by our uh, by Paul as he was following Christ. And we see it consistently throughout the Scriptures. We see this where he, what, he, we need to be de-emphasized, or as John the Baptist said it, I must decrease and mm-hmm. he must increase. But yet in American in modern churches, probably not just America, but modern churches, what do we see? We see buildings with men's names on it. In and of itself, that's not the issue. There may be some real faithful ministers that have, you know, been there and helped to build a building or they want to name that in somebody's honor. But if you're building it with the hopes that your name's going to be on it one day, mm-hmm. that's not the ministry God's called us to. Right. When we are focused on us increasing. Uh, I have a real problem with ministries uh, that the ministry is called by the guy's name. Because why? Who's being emphasized here? Mm -hmm. Are we emphasizing Christ or are we emphasizing this person? Now, are there some ministries out there that are called by a guy's name that are doing good things? Probably yes. I'm just pointing out what we see is Christ lifted up what? The Father. Mm-hmm. He never lifted himself up. We need to be careful that when we are doing the ministry and, and and looking for what method of ministry we're going to do, the question I think really boils down to, do you want an organization or do you want to build the organism that Christ has left here, that Christ says the gates of hell are not going to prevail against, and that he is going to build it through us, mm-hmm. yes, but he's the builder. Right. He's the master builder. 
And I think kind of to conclude, we conclude where where the Lord concludes this sentence. And that's in verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's a it's a big verse, but the conclusion of what happens when all of these gifts that are given in the church are functioning the way they're supposed to function, and each individual member of that church is living his life and functioning to his fullest capacity, what happens? Well, what happens is, one, there's unity. It's all fitly joined together and compacted. But it's one body doing one task, fulfilling the Great Commission together. What else is happening? There's an effectual working in the measure of every part. Every single person is doing his part. And then it says this, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You have a body of believers that is increasing. Increasing in knowledge, yes, but I, I believe this also is talking about a number. And I feel like we spend so much time making an emphasis on how many people can we get in a building or how many people can we get to show up to, to Saturday door knocking or it becomes a numbers game. It takes the numbers game out of it because if we'll just do what we're supposed to do, the numbers game takes care of itself. And the increase of the body happens on its own. And then the best part of all of that is at the very tail end of the verse, the edifying of itself. And so talk about a massive weight being lifted off of the leadership of that yeah. church. Because the edifying, sure, a part of that is done by the leadership, but not all of it. The pastor's no longer got this massive weight on his shoulders to make sure that all of his church members are edified by him. Because now every church member is working to make sure that every other church member is edified. And that's an amazing place to be. And it's really, as the last phrase there he uses is, in love. And so this is as a result of what? Me functioning and my expression of love to my Savior. He told me I would, I could, what? How do I show him I love him? By keeping his commands. Mm -hmm. Well, how do I keep his commands? By doing what he's taught me to do right and obeying the commands that he's given me you know be and and observing those so by my very function and me functioning in that is my expression of love to him but then the cool thing is that's his expression of love to those that i'm ministering to and mm -hmm. those that you're ministering to because why when we minister to somebody we're doing it as unto the lord right so it's an expression of his love to them and all of this comes together, and the simple thing is we got to let the head be the head. Yeah. we got to let the thinking happen from the head, and we just simply do what the head tells us to do. And he's given us clear instruction here. And it's been this has been liberating to me as a pastor to, like you mentioned, to not have the burden of that a lot of times well-intentioned church members want to put on a pastor. They mm -hmm. want to put the... Well, the church isn't really growing or the church is having this problem. It's not always the pastor's responsibility. Mm -hmm. There are things that God clearly tells us are our responsibility. But the, a lot of this responsibility of church growth is if I'm doing my part, then the responsibility of it 
is on the rest of the body doing their part. Mm -hmm. And then we always know God does his part. So by understanding these things, it relieves a huge burden for me as a pastor. And I don't have to carry extra burdens because we all know there's plenty to carry as we minister and, and show God's love to his people and to those that he desires to be his people. Well, I hope that we were able to take some of those loose threads that we had opened that can of worms last week and kind of tie those things back together. And uh, hopefully we didn't make any more loose threads for people. But if you have any questions, please reach out to us. You can reach us again by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's generalorderfour at gmail.com. Um, you can also reach us on our Twitter account at generalorder the number four. And uh, we would love to hear from you if you have any questions or just comments or just wanted to tell us something that's happened in your life because of the podcast. It would be a blessing. We'd really appreciate anything, any kind of contact like that. So please reach out to us, and uh, we'll speak to you again next week. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we're going to be talking with a couple of church planters in Colorado. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at generalorder4. Please like, share, and subscribe.